And we're live too. You want a little you want a little music? Yeah. You want some music? Gosh. Let's get some music going here. We get this is our 8-bit, Steve. What do you think about the 8-bit? Huh. Yes. Yes. Get it, BMC. You like that? Adam's just having too much fun with this. I got problems, okay? I got problems. Please do this show without me. <laughs> Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by Datadog. Datadog helps you collect and visualize all kinds of metrics so you know exactly what's going on with your Go app. With over 200 integrations, including AWS, PostgreSQL, Kubernetes, and Go, you have access to all the information you need in one place. Datadog provides you with real-time visibility from built-in and customizable dashboards, algorithmic alerts, end-to-end request tracing, and real-time collaboration. Start a free trial, and Datadog will send you a t-shirt. Head to datadog.com slash gotime. This is Go Time, a panel of Go experts and special guests every single week discussing the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. We record live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Tune in at GoTime.fm. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Time. Uh, today's episode is number 79. And on the show today, we have myself, Eric St. Martin, and Carlicia Pinto. Hi there. And joining us today from behind the curtains is also uh, Adam Stachowiak. It is me. I have arrived. <laughs> and our special guest for today is the product lead on the Go team, uh, Steve Francia. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me. Now, we've had you on the show before, so I don't know whether we need like a whole intro, but do you want to give just kind of a little bit of background about yourself and kind of the role you play on the Go team? Maybe what's changed since the last time we talked to you? Anything change? Um, I've gained weight since last time you <laughs> talked to me. Uh, Aside from that, your that, weight, maybe with along your role, what's anything changed in your role? No. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's I've, so I've been at Google about eighteen months now, a little more, actually closer to two years. Uh, I've been the product lead at Google uh, the, the, on the Go project the entire time. Um, I, I think I've settled into that role a little bit more over time, but uh, it's it's been the same role. Um, that's it. There's not a lot of new with me um, as far as roles and stuff. So, yeah. How excited are you? It's an exciting time. It, it really is. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say that there's. I, I've had uh, I've had some good experiences in my career. Uh, I've been a part of MongoDB since at the very beginning, and and took it to uh, when it was the most third most popular database. Um, I was a early part of Docker. 
so I, I've had some some opportunities to have uh, be a part of something when when it took off and it transformed. And uh, and Go is going through what I might even call a second uh, resurgence uh, or second surge um, in that it's it's really hit its stride and you can feel there's something tangible mm-hmm. about it. This doesn't happen very often with languages or projects in general. Um, and it's, it's just a really exciting thing to be a part of. Well, Steve, I was, was actually – sorry, go ahead, Carlicia. No, I was going to say – Elaborate on that a little more, please. What makes you feel this ten, this tangible thing that goes going through this second surge? Uh, so, all all projects kind of go through ebbs and flows, um, and and that's just the the nature of of life. Um, and um, when I joined the, the Go project, we, we, we weren't tracking as close as we are now uh, growth numbers, but it was, uh, it was lower than uh, what we're seeing now uh, by a significant amount. Um, and so I'll, I'll say we, in 2017, uh, the Go adoption grew 76%. And that means over 700,000 people, uh, developers, uh, Adopted Go in 2017. Are you tracking that by number of downloads or what? No. Are you tracking? Uh, the, the, we use two different metrics the, the, that we uh, to arrive at that. Uh, they're both external surveys done of the broad developer community, and both of them peg Go as around seven percent of of uh, developers using it. Um, and and so that's how we arrive at it. So it's the O'Reilly survey and the Stack Overflow survey, um, and we use those. And we found those are the most accurate way of telling uh, broad developers. And between the two, we we figure that's that's a pretty good uh, uh, check, as they they do appeal to different audiences. They don't always get the exact same numbers, but they're always uh, pretty close to each other. I was at a conference recently, actually, at um, just this past weekend at Zeit. Um, small internet company. I, would, I guess I shouldn't say small. It's it's sort of maybe an up and coming cloud service, so it's still in a smaller phase compared to other clouds, comparatively. And uh, one of the talks was had Go in it, and it was more like a web front end, more like a front ender space, like a front end developer space than I would imagine even seeing Go. And there's there's Go in there, and if you do a little scroll back in the Go Time FM channel, there you'll see a slide that says, why not write everything in Go? I was floored. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, on top of just the raw numbers, we're seeing the number of conferences expanding. Uh, We're seeing um, more participation. We're seeing a greater diversity of talks. Um, We're seeing talks from more diverse people as well, Um, not just in all sorts of types of diversity. Um, it's, we're seeing an increase of meetups, um, and now the day goes by really where you don't see some interesting project that was written in Go happening. There's just a lot of excitement happening around the whole ecosystem. More conferences? Yeah, this year we've added five new conferences, uh, as far as, if I remember right. Um, so I think we're up to 15 or 16 Go, dedicated Go conferences in, in, in 2018. Wow, that's just wild how fast it's grown. Yeah, 
yeah, crazy, crazy to think of. Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for go ice uh, go Europe, which is in Iceland. It's coming up in I think three or four weeks now. Um, but there's uh, I know this week is go Singapore. Um, it, there's just a lot of conferences happening. It, it, it's so much that it's hard to keep up with them all. Yeah. So let's talk about this branding. What prompted Google to do to take on this project? What was the reason behind it? Um, so I, I'll say it was mostly me. Um, and so if you want to blame someone, you can blame me. Um, but it wasn't anyone from, corp you know, from Google corporate that was saying, oh, we need to do uh, brand go. Uh, it came mostly out of, uh, I think, two things. Um, so when I joined the team, one of the first things that happened, uh, just a little experience was, uh, we sponsored, uh, the dot go conference and Andrew Gerund had, uh, moved to a new project. He moved to Upspin and, um, and so that left me in charge of, uh, sponsorships. And so we're sponsoring dot go and they asked us for a blurb to go along with our sponsorship. And so I started asking everybody, well, what's, what's our blurb? How do we talk about Go? And um, nobody had one. And we, we really didn't know. And I asked people and I wrote something and I got lots of feedback, but I got lots of feedback. Uh, a lot of it was not consistent. Um, and that came the idea that, that we really needed a more consistent way of talking about Go. Um, and so the idea behind the brand the brand book, the brand guidelines that were published actually came out of, uh, in, in spite of it being quite visual, uh, the genesis of it came from that we needed a better way to talk about ourselves and what the project was. And we needed it clear and we needed to, um, you know, have it very digestible. Um, and so that's how the branding actually started completely uh, as text. Um, and the visual element was added later to it. Um, but we, we we spent, if you look at the brand book that we've, we've now published, and there's a blog post on, on blog.golang.org on it, um, you'll see the first the first part is is the brand. And that makes up the, the entire first half of the book. And it's all words. Um, and they're pretty looking words, right? There's decorations around them, but, but they're just words. And we spent the most uh, majority of the time focused on this and trying to figure it out. Um, we also had some, uh, so that was my personal experience. Then, then I've done a number of surveys of the Go community and, um, two interesting things came out of those, um, as it relates to this, we found that, um, that when we, th there was a, a reoccurring theme of people that, had when they had tried go they they fell in love with it but they didn't know how to communicate its value to their teammates or to their managers mm -hmm. and and you know historically our the best way we've actually talked about go is we've had kind of an unofficial slogan of try it and you'll like it or try it and you'll love it and that's reinforced by our website when you go to the golang website what's what's the first thing you see Anyone? Try it. You, you, you see Try Go. Try Go. Try Go. It's right at the top. And then you see a happy go for and download go, uh, which is also a way to try Go. 
right? That, that, that's kind of the way we reinforce it. And, and that's good. And for the early adopter audience that we've served for, for a number of years, uh, the idea that you could just try it is very valuable. Uh, as we go to more mainstream programmers, um, people that uh, might not come with a CS background, um, the idea of trying a, a, a static compiled language is a bit intimidating. Um, and a lot of them are looking just to find out more about it. And so um, you know, when we heard this very consistent feedback that people, when they used Go, they loved it, but they didn't know how to ex explain its value. Um, we also heard feedback from uh, from people that are tech leads or decision makers, directors of engineering, CTOs, etc. Uh, that they didn't know what goes value was. You know, they, they, we in, in our number of surveys and interviews, we found you know they'd heard concurrency and they've heard performance, but they weren't really sure what goes um, value was, and and it's a tough thing uh, because in uh, with Go, it's not a single feature that really produces a value, but rather it's the amalgamation of all the features, right? When you add them all up, um, it produces an experience that's really unlike any other in computer science. And it's that experience and how it scales over time that really produces the value. And, and that's a very hard thing to convey. And, and we, we tried to capture it the best we could with this brand. That is a good point. An experience is hard to communicate. People might have shared experiences, but also specific, distinct experiences. But having, I think having um, a guideline that helps them communicate different aspects of their experiences could be very helpful. So that, that was our intent. And, and um, you know, to go into a little bit more, if, if you'd like, of, of our process going through this, because um, yeah. I think it's pretty insightful, um, is we we worked with the branding agency. Uh, we recognized this was not a core strength of our engineering team, was branding. Um, and the first thing that he did, uh, or the, the person we worked with, his name is Adam, um, and he's, uh, his agency is within. Uh, the first thing that he did was, he just said a, a series of interviews. And he interviewed all the early project members, um, as well as uh, a bunch of members of the Go team, um, and to just get their feedback on what they thought Go was and how they talked about Go. And then, um, and these were, you know, about 30 to, to 45 minute interviews. Um, and then he took all of that together and came up, tried to distill it down to really its its core essence, um, and and then then he worked with uh, myself uh, a lot. Chris Broadfoot uh, worked a lot on this, as well as Russ uh, Russ Cox, and, um, and 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 a bunch of other people. But I think those were the primary three, um, and and we just kept trying to distill it down further and further and further. Um, so it was a very, it was a very, um, uh, it, it took a surprising, it, it's amazing uh, how much time it takes to come up with uh, a, a small number of words. Um, I believe it's Mark Twain who famously said, I'm sorry I wrote you a long letter, I didn't have time to write you a short one. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, that's not the exact quote, but 
Um, yeah. it, it really took a long time to, to distill it right down to the essence uh, of what uh, we believe Go is. And I particularly love the section, the tone of voice section of the book, of the brand book, because it tries to really narrow it down, right? Because it's one thing for you to say one word that tries to encapsulate what the language or what the community community is all about. So here we have a few words about what gophers are and a few Corresponding words about what gophers are not. For example, gophers are. I'm just. I want to go through the lists for people who are looking at this. Gophers are concise. Gophers are not verbose. They're genuine, not dubious. Friendly, not exclusive. Direct, not ambiguous. Thoughtful, not reactive. Humble, not haughty. Haughty is that how you say that word? That's right. So. I, I really like that the effort was made to describe what gophers are not. Um, it's really helpful. And it's really helpful to, uh, when you are thinking of how to behave in a community, right? What is acceptable or how to write code? What is good idioms? You start thinking about these things and it, it, it helps. And we thought especially th – thank you. I, 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 I think especially with the growth that we're going through, um, we can't expect our culture to um, to spread through all this growth unless we codify it. Mm -hmm. And we try and, try and lead uh, with, with the – and so that's a, bit, a bunch of this around like, well, we need a single place as a reference to the entire global community – you know, whether you're from Australia or you're from Singapore, you're from China or you're from Brazil or you're from, you know, Seattle or or anywhere where you could have a single document that really reinforced what it meant to be part of Go. And and that was our, our goal of what we tried to do here. I think branding is probably the an extremely tough exercise. And, you know, the fact that you all started with words and. And interviews is a testament to the, you know, the faithfulness to describe exactly what Go is, but then also what the, you know, a programmer using Go may or may not be like, because a lot of branding is not really at all the visual part of it. While, you know, maybe some of the backlash or some of the surprise from the community is based on the visual pieces of it. It's the understanding who you are and why you do what you do to explain who you are is really the core components of a brand. You know, like you can't show off who you are or visualize who you are unless you know who you are. Well said. I guess maybe what's what are your hopes here? I mean, I, I know that this may have been not a surprise to you, obviously, because you're involved behind the scenes. But I think for many, it was like, OK, go as like nine years old, eight and some years old. And here comes this, you know, either brand or rebrand. I'm not really sure if this is a, an actual a rebrand because I'm not sure there ever was a true brand in place to this degree. Yeah. Um, you know, what are your hopes for the community to, to respond? Like when you released this, Steve, you wrote the article, the post on the Go blog. What was your anticipation? Were you surprised? What were you most surprised about? What were your hopes for releasing this to the world? Um, so I, I think 
I'll answer the first question. Is it a brand or a rebrand? And it's – I'll say there's not a lot new here. Um, in, in a sense, our real goal here was, you know, as I said, I, I kind of started from that first experience I had maybe two weeks in, into joining the GO team of having to write a blurb of who we are. And, I, you know, I talked to Robert Griesmeyer and he gave me some feedback. And I talked to Andrew and he gave me completely different feedback. And I talked to Ian and it was different again. Uh, we really wanted to come up with what would be uh, our story, our, our, con our concise story uh, that represents not only the Go team at Google, but the entire Go community, uh, that we can have one way of talking about it. And, and that that's really was the, the primary goal. Um, and, you know, the, the other part was when everything is done uh, kind of ad hoc, you don't have a lot of opportunities to make decisions. And, and I would describe the historic Go brand as mostly ad hoc. When we were asked a question, we need a, a blurb for this, we wrote a blurb for that. And when we needed a website that, that looked like this, we did that. And, and, you know, Renee has been fantastic in providing lots of uh, wonderful gopher designs as well as, as, as a logo, which uh, a lot of people I learned after that blog post launched. A lot of people didn't know it was uh, we had a logo before. Um, but a lot of everything was kind of uh, disconnected in how it was designed. And we often design something for an immediate need without looking at the holistic uh, picture. And and with this, we really took the opportunity to say, look at all these pieces we've done over the last 10 years. Um, and how can we put them together and make some real decisions about which are the ones that we want to, to be our voice um, or our mission or, or our look? Um, now, there's some new looks here. Um, definitely the, the logo went through an evolution from Renee's hand-drawn into a, a vectored image. Um, but, and we, and Renee's used a lot of different colors, uh, over the years. And we definitely use that as inspiration. Um, and as we came up with our color palette here, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of these ideas have been floating around, but most of it was to provide just a single point uh where people could use is is an anchor and hopefully answer that question when that when people ask how do i communicate goes value that, that they can look at this and say you know well this is what go is you know we've written a real clear description go is and i'll read it for those who don't have it go is an open source programming language that enables the production of simple efficient and reliable software at scale and that, that's really what Go is. We, we, we think that's a, the, the best articulation we've ever heard uh, or we were able to come up with of, of really what Go is. And, and as you continue through it, uh, our goal is, our hope is that people use this as a reference um, and that it can help unite the community. Yeah, I got really caught up on the logo and the visual aspects of the branding, and I totally missed the point. I mean, the point is completely different, and I'm really glad you're here mm -hmm. to tell us, since people, to me, people like me who might have missed the point, too. Um, and in fact, I don't remember that we had a logo, and that was a question that I was going to ask. Do we do, so you just said it, that we did have a logo. I don't remember what it was. So... Uh... 
that's you. You are not alone in that, um, as we as we learned very clearly from some of the feedback we got. Uh, people misunderstood that uh, go go had a logo and the logo was the gopher. Yes. Um, and so when we said we have a new logo, uh, I think this is really the it was obviously a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it came out of people's love for the gopher. The, the people have fallen in love with this is very. Uh, you know, human human side of a, a very technical project uh, that you know we all love. Uh, I think there's no one on uh, no one that doesn't love the Gopher. Um, and the reaction that we got was, I think, mostly stemming from that that people um, love the Gopher and 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 the thought of it not being around. Um, I don't know, kind of gave people a shock. Um, that that said, if you on our blog, you can actually see the original logo, not in the most recent post, but in a post a number of years ago uh, that we wrote on the gopher. Um, and I'll, I'm actually looking it up right now um, as, as we're talking. So I can get the, okay, so the, it's blog.golang.org slash gopher. And this goes through the history of the gopher and uh, as well as Renee's history with Plan 9 and, and other things. And it also talks about our initial logo. Um, and it has a picture of it there. And the one with the black th- background? That's right. The one with the black background. Oh, okay. And, um, and if you watch some of the old videos, you'll actually see you know, Brad and Rob and and others wearing uh, T-shirts with this logo on it. That is true. I remember that. I remember those T-shirts. So th- this logo is the was the official Go logo, although it wasn't used very heavily. Um, we used it in some of those T-shirts, and it, and it appears here, and but it's not on the blog. It's not in a number of other places. Uh, we've ended up using the Go for far more when we. Uh, created swag, um, you know. So that that's the old logo. The new logo actually started from a very similar place, and you can see it ended in a very similar place. It's very um, similar. And and this logo, Renee drew. Um, uh, if I, if I, I I might not be accurate on this, but uh, a number of years ago, I wanted to say 2008 or nine, um, a very long time ago. This episode is brought to you by Rollbar. Move fast and fix things. Resolve errors and minutes and deploy with confidence. Head to rollbar.com slash changelog. Request a demo. Get started today. It's loved by developers, trusted by enterprises, and most of all, we use it here at Changelog. Move fast and fix things with Rollbar. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. What's interesting too is this blog post and I had I was actually gonna ask this question in hopes of stirring up like the origin story of the gopher and I was not aware of this blog post but this shares that it's it has a history of 
uh, Renee making it for a radio station called WFMU for a fundraiser they had and had a second appearance as uh, It Bell Labs with uh, Bob, I'm not sure how you say his name, his avatar. And then again for playing nine as a mascot. And then I guess when the open source happened for Go, Renee suggested it to adopt the, the mascot and the gopher was born then. So right around 2009. So that's, it's an interesting process to, you know, and you, you said in a way ad hoc. So this gopher is kind of like <laughs> has made its way through several different forms and several different reasons for even being to now be, you know, the beloved mascot of gophers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's amazing what an impact it's had on the project. Um, and we owe Renee a, a huge amount of, of gratitude uh, for her contribution uh, to it. I, I think she really provided um, for us, uh, uh, you know, kind of our, our identity. Um, you know, we don't call ourselves, uh, you know, in Python, they call themselves Pythonistas. Um, and and, and they, everyone has different monikers. We don't call ourselves the goers or anything like that. We're gophers. And that comes from Renee's mascot. Um, and, you know, even GopherCon and everything that's come since uh, all, all really stems from Renee's mascot. So I think she, she did an amazing job providing an, an identity for us. And, and our goal with the, the visual branding here uh, was to really take Renee's work and to, to build on it um, and to try and consolidate it down. Um, you know, and, and Renee uh, did a lot of work with gophers and colors and um, and and the logo. Uh, she didn't do a lot of work with the website and other things. And so our our objective here was to really create a holistic uh, presence for Go. And um, you know, you see the brand book, and it has some of the things. Uh, as I mentioned in our blog post, we're also working on uh, revamping our website uh, to follow. Uh, this new brand and, um, and we're pretty close to having the blog ready to launch um, it should be a few more weeks um, but uh, and, and that's where we're starting it, we're starting with the blog we'd like to get the community involved um, as early as possible and uh, we, we hope to be able to take the work that we did on the blog and apply it to the, the website and, and keep going and, and as a part of this we're also uh, extending our blog to, to support uh, multiple languages, which is something we've never had before. And, and, and on follow-on, we're using the same uh, technology uh, backend for the website, uh, which will also enable us to have multiple languages. Um, and I say the website, there's lots of components to our website, um, and we're going to focus more on the static content first rather than things like play, um, where it's more interactive. Um, but we're going to stage it out and and uh, and hopefully have a consistent brand and feel across all of the the different Go websites. Was uh, was Renee involved at all in this process with Adam and, and team to interview and kind yes. of self-examine the process? R- Renee was she she um, she was very involved. Um, in fact, a lot of people uh, were involved at the beginning for the interview. And then, and then we spent a lot of time after their interviews just uh, working through everything and trying to consolidate things down. And that was a much smaller group. Um, and then we'd go back to the larger group just for feedback every once in a while. 
Uh, Rene was uh, Rene spent less time on the verbal part of the brand, um, but she spent a, a, a considerable part on the visual part of the brand, um, and she did so over time. Um, so she she was very involved with it. Um, she helped pick the color palette. She helped name the colors, um, particularly the gopher blue one. Um, she she worked with us on on every part of of the visual aspect. That is, that sounds fantastic. I mean, I don't know whoever was involved. You guys did a really good job. I personally really like it, so I'm just gonna put my bias out front. I I love it. I think it came out really really well. It was good job. Thank you. What's uh, not that this is you know that important to dive into, but I think it's kind of interesting the stark exact opposite response. And I know Hacker News isn't the best place to have comments. It's not the best place to meet the most loving programmers. However, you know, there's such a backlash from so many people. I wonder why people feel so like they no, like they should respond that way. I didn't see that. I mean, I didn't look uh, either. None of it seems very <laughs> positive. Steve, I'm sure you had to dig into some of this or at least be, be like, come on, really, guys? Yeah, you got to, you know, someone says they're incredibly sad. The logo is awful, uh, you know looks like somebody else's logo there's a lot of just you know you know the immediate gut response it seems from some people potentially even a larger community here on hacker news but again we we understand what hacker news is comments can tend to be like not very positive they seem to be very right on point with hacker news's way is being somewhat negative about you know this process and just bashing rather than uplifting It, it drives me crazy so, uh, so what I saw. Uh, so first, I, I want to say I think I think a lot of this just comes from the fact of of how passionate people are. Yeah. Um, I, I think people people love the Gopher. Um, I, I think there there you know there's a lot of people that really love Go, and and the thought of something changing is is always been hard for people. Um, and and the brand is really the essence of something. Uh, there's a visual element as well as uh, as all the text. It really defines what the essence of something is, and people uh, were worried that their beloved language and mascot, etc., were changing. and And I think uh, what we saw was uh, was a reaction to you know if people didn't love Go, uh, if they weren't so passionate around it, we wouldn't have seen that. Um, so I think it's a testament to, to how passionate people are around it. I think it's also what we noticed was um, there. There was, uh, in spite of what I, I, I think that the the language on the blog post. I, I looked at it after this feedback, uh, and spent quite a bit of time on it. Um, it it's right in the very beginning uh, that says it built upon the great foundation that Rene French established and rest easy. Our beloved gopher mascot remains the center of our brand. Yeah. As you sc- scroll down, the the gopher is very present. Uh, it, it's featured in the video that shows our Go logo design process and, and all the different, not all, but many of the iterations we went through with the logo. Uh, it's also very prominent in the uh, slide presentation as well as it's prominent in the brand book, um, all of which are featured. Uh, so I, th- I think we communicated the Gopher was very part of our brand well um, because the Gopher was a consistent part but not the new part. We didn't heavily feature the gopher here, 
but made sure that it was included. Uh, but we focused more on things that were new and different. Um, in spite of that, I think what we saw was uh, some people reacting to some people's reactions. And so some people misunderstood that the new logo uh, was replacing our mascot, uh, the, the gopher. And they started tweeting about that or posting comments about it. And then people reacted to that post uh, rather than finding out for themselves that that's not, not accurate. And, and so it kind of uh, escalates when, when uh, it, you know, uh, people have a misunderstanding and then people look at that without going to the source. It, it, it always escalates things. And, and uh, that's just a bit of a statement of, of where we live today and, and the kind of world of, uh, you know, I, I remember life before the Internet and how hard it was to find information. You mm -hmm. had to drive places or walk to libraries. And you, you had to use phones. these pay phones. Or right. these, I remember we had these card catalogs. You had to look up, you know, with, with these giant uh, dressers with all these papers in them that told you where to find things. It was very hard to find information. Now it's very easy. And it seems people are, are, are resistant to doing so. Um, oh, that's funny, too, because it seemed like the gopher wasn't really going anywhere. It also didn't seem like unless you read some words visually – it didn't seem like the gopher, unless you looked hard, at least just real quickly at this blog post, the gopher was kind of missing quickly from a quick, quick yeah, visual glance. I agree. You, you have to either press play or just scroll down yeah. a little bit or click on any of the things. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's, it's, it, especially when other people are saying it. Yeah. Um, and so I think what we saw was people reacting to reactions and – Misinformation. Um, but, but it's sort of uh, easy to see how people could have been misled because, like Adam was saying, the gopher is not on the post itself. Of course, if you go into the document, the gopher is there. And maybe people didn't go that far. Or if you play, play the video, which I know not everybody wants to play videos. Or yeah. if you scroll to the bottom, right, the last image yeah. has multiple gophers on it. But, again, we we, we didn't anticipate the that people would have – I mean, shame on me. I should no, have anticipated yeah. more. No, no, no. That that's not what we're saying at all either. I'm going to say that. If I, I could have done it, it again, and I'm going to say that. You, if Steve. I could have done it again, I would have put the gopher more prevalent at the top. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't anticipate that people would have made the misunderstanding. Yeah. And, and that, that's on me. Can you not I, I edit could, the post? I could, but uh, I, you know, we we thought about it, and the reality is. Uh, the post is pretty clear. Um, the words are clear that the mascot's staying there. We're not intimidating anything about the mascot going if you click through the things. And by the time, again, as most people reacting to reactions, by the time <laughs> the post went live, that was the time that people needed to hear that the gopher was there in the beginning. So the, the window yeah. was really before it was posted. Um, and, and we missed the window, but... Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think uh, I think I think if you give it time uh, first, here's the thing about change. Uh, people are always nervous at the beginning about change and give them time. And 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 I don't expect everyone's going to love it. It's a subjective thing. Not everybody loves every painting. Not everybody loves every color. Not every you know, no, nothing appeals universally. But I think with a lot of people, give it time, it's going to set a lot of their uh, fears 
it's going to calm a lot of their fears. And well, um, one really strong reaction that I saw people having was that the the playfulness of Go was there and now it's not because this logo is not as playful. Then, of course, it goes back to people equating the logo with the gopher and the gopher is not going away. We've covered that. But that brings up a point, too, which is when when you codified something, it means now that is a right way of doing things. And if there's a right way, there's a wrong way, right? So how how do we handle this how are we like the known because google okay you have you sponsor things you need to have your blurb you need to have your logo but how about us how can we use this how will we be using this in the wrong way or what if we don't use any of this would it be wrong are we going to get a call from google's lawyers and say <laughs> hey you know that's you know yep. using the proper material how does it apply um, to everybody else so uh, I'm going to answer this in two ways. Uh, one, there's a few things here that are copyrighted, uh, the logo being one of them. Um, and the logo does have guidelines for its usage. So I want to be clear that, um, do, that the logo it needs to be used appropriately according to those guidelines. Um, that's, so th I, I want to be clear with that up front. Um, beyond that, uh, you are welcome to use this or not use this. Um, th th this is meant as a guide for the community. Um, it is not a, it is not a, I, no one came down from the mountain uh, with stone tablets. Um, we think it's going to be a valuable asset. Uh, we hope it's something that the community uh, embraces and uses. Um, we, we, we fully expect everyone to continue to do uh, their own thing as they have uh, you know we, we just finished up Gotham Go and it, it continued to have its own brand and I know GopherCon this, this year uh, is using a, a theme of uh, race cars um, and we fully expect that them to continue their brand uh, uh -huh. and I think that's I was going to ask what was going to be the theme for this year <laughs> thank it's you it's all over the website already have you not been on oh, the website geez. I haven't even noticed. Sorry. <laughs> Gophercon.com, y'all. Sorry, Steve. That was such a detour. Anyway, yeah. So I, I think people are welcome to use their own brands. Um, you know, we, we think we think this is something that can help inspire the community. We hope our we hope the community is uh, follows the values, uh, and and we want we would like that to happen. Right? We want people that are thoughtful. We want people that are friendly. Um, but, you know, people, each group is welcome to adopt what they want to from this. Um, there is no uh, there is no consequence uh, for not, as long as people follow the, the code of conduct, right? I, I, I want to make sure that's independent of this. And that yeah. does have consequences. So what does it mean when you say that the Go logo is copyrighted? That sounds pretty serious. Um, what does it yeah, mean? Do so we have to credit Google when we use it? Does it mean we cannot chain, adulterate it? Or like, what is it? So uh, our, our logo is more flexible to use than most logos. Um, but it, there, there's guidelines within the brand book on what acceptable use is. Um, and we talked a lot about what to license it under and, and, uh, and spend some time with, with, uh, our open source legal team and their advice was, um, copyright, uh, the logo, 
is the appropriate thing to do, and it, it lets people use it under fair use rights, um, but uh, and under the guidelines that you've set forth. But they they can't make modifications. They can't sell it. They can't do different things to it because it's copyrighted. So, um, but can I crop it anywhere without crediting anybody, or do I have to worry about giving credits? Yeah, there's no credit needed. Um, Part of the copyright I, is just to say that it's their mark and that no one else can use the mark in a trademarked or copyrighted scenario. And as a copyright holder, you have to protect your copyright because otherwise you don't have a copyright. That's right. And I'll just say I encourage people to uh, ignore what I've said uh, but read the document. Um, there is there's a two pages on what is acceptable use with lots of diagrams and pictures of what to do and what not to do. Um, so uh, we 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 hope the Go community uses this. We hope it becomes. Uh, I don't think it's going to replace the Gopher in any sense, uh, but I do think it, it's a nice accent. It, it definitely uh, reinforces our brand. A lot of people have. Uh, uh, the gopher is, is wonderful and it's fun, it's playful. Um, it's not immediately recognizable as the word go is. Um, when If you're not familiar with the gopher and go, but you see the word go, you're going to associate that. Um, I think of it like so, maybe on product websites, like, you know, like when you go to a service and they support certain languages. You know, What do they put in place of go now? They probably use the gopher. They might, or, or a lot, just come up with their own logo or their own their own thing. Right. Um, and what ends up happening is that there's never a match. That exactly. There's no consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's what we're trying to provide here is that consistency, so that when you see this mark, you know it's the language. And and yeah, please read the document. It talks about all the different ways to use it. Um, and. Uh, you know, we, we I will say I was at Gotham Go. I, I was the MC for the, I don't know, third or fourth year in a row. Um, and I was thrilled that a number of the speakers uh, used the logo on their on their decks. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was nice. It was nice to see that consistency. Um, not everybody used it and that was fine. Uh, I didn't expect anybody to uh, except Cassandra, who, who used the. Uh, the actual deck that we we distribute, but she was also part of the process of creating it. Um, and so, but it was and great just to, to clarify for people on the blog post that is uh, on the Golang website, there is a link to download it's like slides, uh, master slides that you can use. That's already branded with the colors and the logo. That's right. That's right. And there's also a link there to the brand book that we've been talking about. Those links are, are, are right next to each other under the download section. And talking about the website, the, going back a little bit, is the website going to be decoupled from the language repo? Um, it, it, yes. Um, the, the plan is... Um, is to decouple the website from the language repo, and partly because um, it, there was value in coupling it, but as we need to scale into different languages and different things, uh, we, we, we can't see another way but to decouple them. Um, that, that said, there will be remain documentation as part of the distribution, um, but the website itself will, will be 
uh, decoupled. At least that's the current strategy. Yeah, I hope so because um, the website would only be updated once there was a release. <laughs> yeah, right. Right now it's every six months, and um, yeah, yeah. Our, our goal is to part of the new design is also to provide a little more contextual information um, towards what's happening now. Um, you know, and try and keep our community members, our, our users, more informed. And every six months is just not 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 that uh, not frequent enough. Yeah, if you have a typo you want to fix, gotta wait six months. <laughs> or some new information, like a new link you want to add. No, gotta wait yeah, six pretty, months. <laughs> pretty sure we can fix typos within six months, but our our goal is to. It'd be great on on our homepage if we had things like upcoming conferences, um, and keep our global community more informed. And that's not possible uh, every six months. Uh, we don't have dates and and links. You know, mm -hmm. the conferences are just too dynamic uh, yeah. for that. What are you doing to move faster on those fronts? I know she just mentioned. Is it being decoupled? A lot of, you know, one of the the uh, things that helps a language succeed other than obviously being a good language is its supportive community, which Go does very well, but it does seem like there's some, some slowness around these kinds of things that could be sped up. Not so much that it's bad, just like how do how are you kind of optimizing for those things to make those things a bit more faster? Uh, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, because Sandra came on the team recently, so you got you know yeah, community things uh, happening. So there's some change happening. I'm just curious how this playing out. Yeah, I would I would actually defer to Cassandra on that. Um, she she's doing an amazing job of of really devising strategies and and trying to help this community scale. Um, I'll, I'll say you know one of one of the smartest things we've done uh, is is actually step out of the way mm. uh, as Google and let the community do uh what it does and that that's been very productive um it's been very beneficial uh we've also realized there's a balance there and um you know there's especially as we grow um there's a lot of value in adding support and you know so one of the things we've recently done is uh which i don't know that we've talked about publicly because it's not public but We've set up a communication channel for the different conference organizers so that they're able to talk to each other and start comparing things and try and get more consistency. Um, Google doesn't have any stake in that. Uh, we don't have any – it's not like they have to follow the guidelines or anything that we're setting forth. We're not doing any of that. We're just providing a communication uh, channel. Uh, but trying to do things like that more often um, I think is a way to let the community – do the brilliant job that it's already doing, but also support them so they can uh, support each other better and, and do it better at scale. Um, but the real answer is, is probably one that Cassandra could give you better. So I get that a concise, clean brand is easier to communicate. Um, and so I get that part. I'm wondering if there is a hope that Go will be seen as, as, as mature as it is, that we will also have an impact on 
on adoption, not from the perspective of people understanding what Go does. I mean, that's, of course, a big part if you're going to adopt a language, but also because it, it will seem more serious and mature and also that Google is investing in the language to the point of w even wanting to do this. Is there anything like that in the general thinking of uh, for the reason to come up with this branding? Uh, it's, it's a great question. Um, it's I'm going to answer it by pointing us to a, a, another part. In fact, it's the final part that we haven't really talked about yet of, of the brand guide. Uh, there's a section in it called Our Audience. And um, we've never done this before. Uh, Go's had kind of an implicit audience from the beginning of, of – uh, generally systems programmers with uh, CS backgrounds. And uh, even though we've never articulated that, if you read through our material um, that, that's been developed in our documentation, it's, it's kind of the implicit audience. Uh, we don't explain programming concepts anywhere. We expect that you know them um, throughout our, our documentation. And we often make comparisons to different languages like C in, in the documentation. Um, and as part of this, we set forth that we really, for where we are and the growth that we're experiencing and our goals, we, we, we believe that Go could be the next mainstream language uh, with, with broad adoption across the industry. Uh, and to get there, we, we recognized that there was three different audiences we needed to focus on. Um, and, and we've articulated them in, in, in the brand book. The first one is potential and new programmers. Um, and these potential Go programmers and new programmers, meaning people new to programming, uh, this is an audience that we, we haven't uh, ever targeted in the way that we want to target now. So this is an explicit declaration that we believe our audience is now people new to Go and new to programming. And that's that has broad impact uh, across all that we do. Um, and, and we talk about the, the key messages that we want to target for that audience. Um, the, the, and and I'll, I'll leave it to, to the listeners to, to read what they are in the brand book. Uh, our second is, is decision maker, technical decision makers, which we, we use CIOs, CTOs, and tech leads. Uh, these are the people that uh, are the people often responsible for choosing architecture or approving architecture and and um, and we want to make sure that they have the support they need um, as, as someone who's been in those that role many times um, I'm, I'm familiar with the uh, largely your, your goal is uh, always running through the back of your mind is uh, is what what are the risks in doing something as you know, in technical uh, decisions, there's always trade-offs, and trying to understand what the risks are of a given trade-off or a given technology um, is important. And and so, you know, we've we've we have specific messages that we'd like to land for that. And uh, this is part of the rebrand. Uh, um, and the third, the the third audience is existing Go users. Uh, we, we definitely um, want to embrace these new audiences, but also embrace our existing audience. And, and that's the audience that's served us well for 10 years. 
and we have we have uh, key messages targeted towards that audience as well. Um, and so I think as you read through this, you'll see you know, there, this is an answer to your question. Uh, part of it is is uh, conveying uh, maturity, um, not just in visual, but but in our language and, and everything else. We really want to communicate uh, the, the reality uh, that Go is ready for. Uh, production use that it, it is it, you're not taking a risk to use it, um, and you know one of the one of the challenges and opportunities of, of joining Google is you get to learn a lot of information uh, that you didn't know when I was a member of the community, uh, you, and now I've got an opportunity to work with uh, many many companies who have embraced Go, um, some of which have been vocal about it and some of which have not. And it's amazing to, to see the ones who, who haven't and how broad Go adoption is, much broader than I ever knew as a community member, um, and how these companies uh, have embraced Go and how many, uh, you know, often thousands of programmers are using Go uh, within these major companies uh, that uh, un, for, for their own reasons haven't been vocal about talking about that yet. Um, and uh, and we're trying to surface that a bit more and, and let people know that, that Go is ready um, and Go is mature and, and Go is a safe decision to make. Um, so so I hope that answers the question. I think that that is part of it is really we're, we're, we're trying to target uh, different audiences with different messages than we have in the past. And uh, and making and a big part of that is is letting decision makers know uh, the value of Go. And uh, and how uh, it's not a risky decision to make. It does answer the question. It makes very good sense. Uh, and also made me curious to ask: How is the adoption of Go inside Google now? Has that grown in the past year? Um, I I know um, we don't talk about things like this. Uh, Google doesn't reveal does. So I'll say broadly: Google does not share. Uh, internal language usage, um, or and and um, I'll just point out what, what what is public already, which is uh, this week uh, we announced GVisor, um, which is a uh, a new um, container, uh, a new container runtime that works with Kubernetes and Docker, and it is. Uh, it is a sandbox container runtime. Uh, it was announced a couple days ago. I, I believe it might have been announced at KubeCon, uh, which is also happening this week. Um, but I, I think it, it's a it's been a part of Google uh, for years. Uh, we've just released it. It is a I think a industry transformative. It, it has the power to transform our industry, uh, particularly in cloud. It brings a brand new approach to running containers in a secure and isolated way, um, and this entire uh, application is written in Go. Um, and I, I think uh, you know you'll, you'll see a lot of core Google projects uh, that are that are being open sourced are written in Go. And that's probably the best answer I have for that question. Thank you. I know what you can say is limited, but we always try to ask anyway. Some someday somebody will slip. I promise. I promise the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not me. 
Yeah, I encourage people to check out GVisor. You can see it at, at github.com slash google slash GVisor. And you can download it. It's open source. And uh, uh, it's, it's, I should, I, I'll, I'll put, for all, all those people who are in the, uh, in our, uh, I haven't looked at it yet. What is the equivalent of it out there that I would know? There, there is Kubernetes. A, I don't know what would it be. So it's it's a it, it's it's a brand new approach to securing containers. Um, and there's a the post here that goes through it. But uh, in, in short, uh, historically we've used uh, in spite of how light containers are and how how much power and benefit they bring, uh, they they don't provide good isolation. Um, and it's it's not one of their strengths. It's not part of the design. And so historically, uh, there's been two approaches you have used to to provide that kind of isolation to them. Uh, one is to to use virtual machines to to emulate hardware, um, and uh, that approach is expensive uh, but effective. Uh, and then there's a second approach, which is a rule-based execution. Um, which is you know, using things like SC Linux and AppArmor. Um, and GVisor creates a third approach uh, that, that takes some of the advantages of each, but is much more, uh, it takes a more simple approach. So it's a lot lighter uh, than the virtualized approach, um, and uh, it's simpler than the AppArmor approach. Um, so it, it, again, it's a it's a runtime for uh, containers in a secure way. It works with Kubernetes. It works with Docker. Cool. I see now what you're saying. Yeah, I encourage people to to read the 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 post the the readme around it. It's uh, it, it's transformative um, in the way that it's going to make containers. Uh, in my mind, this really. Um, and I've been part of the container space for a very long time. Uh, th this really is the project that uh, tackles our, our, the, the biggest uh, gap in, in what containers can do. Um, so with GVisor, I, I, I think containers are, are in a place where they, they really are the future. Um, and it, it doesn't, there's no more gaps. GVisor closes the last gap. Yeah, it's, I'm actually really excited about it, and I'm kind of sad I haven't got to play with it yet. Um, just getting back from Chicago and getting caught up and about to leave for Seattle. So I'm like, no. Airplanes are good places to do work. You just got to download stuff because Wi-Fi is not that good. This is true. But, yeah, it's it's, it's fun. It's fun to, ch to play with and, and to look at and, um, you know, written and go. So I know we were running short on time. I, I, do we have time for projects and news? Probably not. We might have to skip to free software Friday. We've got about two minutes on the clock. Two minutes on the clock. All right. Two How minutes. fast can we do this? So GVisor was in the projects and news thing. Um, and Steve mentioned it. Uh, go 1.10.2 and go 1.9.5 is out. Um, there will be a link in the show notes to um, this really cool intro to the compiler that is actually in the Go GitHub repo. Um, I found a cool project called RAT. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes. 
And that's a cool way of like um, running multiple commands and windowing them side by side and then like annotating them based on um, kind of patterns that show up in there. So that's super cool. Um, I think that's everything. Did I get it in two minutes? Wow. Uh, let's see. You have. <laughs> I'd say so. You have 35 seconds left. Uh, that should be a segment once in a while. <laughs> Just like as Two fast minutes. as you can, 60 seconds or, or 120 seconds, as many things as you can mention. Go in two minutes. I like All it. All right. Um, so free software Friday. Did anybody have anyone or any anything they want to give a shout out to? Uh, I got a good one. So Julia Evans, um, if you're not following her on Twitter, you should. But she always puts out these amazing little uh, graphic cards um, explaining complex things in very, very easy to digest ways. Um, And speaking of her, she's releasing like a a zine with um, I think there's like 20 or something of them in there called Bite Size Linux. And we will link in the show notes too, where you can pick that up if you want to give her some love. Excellent. Um, I'll give a shout out to, uh, I, so we had, uh, as I mentioned, Gotham Go just last week and I saw a brilliant talk from Ron Evans um, about Go CV and the different work. So Ron Evans, uh, I know he was on the blog post very re- or on the, the podcast recently, I think maybe even last episode. Um, but we know him from from GoBot and all the work he does uh, with Go and, and uh, Embedded. Uh, and as part of that, he started working on uh, Go uh, Vision stuff. So it's 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 detecting different uh, uh, you know faces, and it can do different blurs. And he and he gave a really interesting uh, talk. And I'll, I'll give one more. Uh, there was another talk uh, by a man named Anthony Starks. Um, about Go SVG, and I was blown away by this talk. Uh, the amount of work that he's done with SVG and Go was phenomenal, and the maturity of the libraries that he's built um, is just—I I was blown away by it. Um, and so, a big, big shout out to to both of them. I learned about these projects, and I just want to pass them along because I'm excited to to play with both of them. Yeah, and Ron is an absolute trip to hang out with. So if you're ever at a conference he's at, like walk up and talk to him. It's amazing. And <laughs> GopherCon, we always do like a GoBot room that he hangs out in. I met Ron a couple uh, years back. I want to say potentially our first year there. I don't know. I can't remember. But I just remember thinking like this guy is fascinating. Anyways, that's Ron. Always a pleasure. So I'm going to put a link to Anthony's uh, uh, GitHub account uh, in in the in the hangout in the whatever it's called the Slack channel. Um, he also built this amazing tool to generate slide decks, um, and uh, and he presented with it, and his was by far uh, the prettiest one there. So. Um, frankly, for me, I can't stand XML. I try and avoid it as much as possible. But that's why I'm glad people like Anthony exist, is that they, they make, make nice libraries so I don't have to write XML. All right. So I think we are about out of time. We're probably over. 
but Adam, the producer, is on the show, so he can't really give us a hard time about that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> well, I want to say I'm thrilled you all had me on the show um, because it gave me a chance to tell the story around the branding that uh, it was clear that uh, needed to be told. Um, and the blog post didn't come close to telling the story of, of how we created it and why we created it and, uh, and all the depth in that brand book. And I, I just, you know, I hope that people take the opportunity to really read it. Uh, we, we spent, I can't tell you how many countless hours like, to think the go team, uh, invested a considerable amount of time in, in writing that document. Um, because we consider it uh, of the highest value to the project and, uh, and to be able to tell that story, I, I, I'm very grateful to be able to be on the show today. I'll say uh, you got an open invite when you have, you know, things like this, this important to the Go community at large. Uh, I would welcome even collaboration to give you all an opportunity to come on a show like this that hopefully communicates to the largest Go community we can uh, in a larger form podcast form. So, you know, we'd, we'd welcome having you back on again in the future. Well, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm always a pleasure to be here. So. Yeah, keep this in mind because we could time things. For example, it was pure luck that today was open. And I think it was really good that you came on the show to talk about this. And we weren't sure that we were going to have enough things to talk about. It turned out that we did. And it was I thought, I thought it was very insightful. I appreciate it. You're, you're, you're right. I, I, uh, well, I'm, it was a, uh, what do they call it? Um, it was, it was fortunistic. It was, uh, there's a better word for that. Of course, when, things just, when things just work out right, uh, and this was one of them. Serendipitous? Uh, so, oh, that's the word that I was looking for. There you go. I got your back, was, Steve. Don't worry. Was, I, I was like, I knew I couldn't get it. It, it was serendipitous <laughs> that uh, that this happened, and, and you're right. We need to be uh, Yeah, we're glad to work it. together however we can to, to make sure that yeah. That the Go Community at Large has the right information to be excited, to be, to be concise, but to be you know purposeful in their work. That's that's what we're, our goal is. We're friendly, genuine. That's what we're going for. Concise, yes, but not so much in a forty-five minute podcast, maybe. <laughs> but definitely direct and thoughtful. We're, we're trying. Yeah, it looks like you guys are trying. All right. So I think we are definitely over now. So I suppose we should wrap things up. Um, Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Steve. I'm really glad we got to talk about that and kind of, um, you know, talk about the real reason that the uh, branding was done. And it wasn't so much about the logo that was more a byproduct of the core thing that you, you all were going for. And hopefully this, this clears up a lot. Um, so thanks Steve for coming on the show. Thanks Adam for jumping in with us. It's always fun to have you walk out from behind the curtain. I try. And as always, thank you to all of you, the listeners, um, definitely follow us on Twitter at GoTimeFM. Um, if you hit us up at github.com slash GoTimeFM slash ping, um, to give suggestions for guests or topics. And, uh, with that, goodbye everybody. We'll see you next week. 
All right, that's it for this week's episode of Go Time. I hope you enjoyed it. Do us a favor, go on Overcast, go on Apple Podcast, go on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Favorite it, share it, like it, tweet it, whatever you got to do. Help us promote this show to your friends and fellow gophers. Bandwidth for Go Time and Changelog is provided by Fastly. Head to fastly.com to learn more. And we move fast here at Changelog and fix things because of Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to linode.com slash changelog. Check them out. Support this show. Our music is produced by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at changelog.com or on Apple Podcasts or on Overcast or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.